and welcome you on into another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Valley here. Take two of our uh, episode for this starting of the week. Mitch, is good to be back with you, man. We got a number of things to talk about here. What's going to be happening this week and what's already happened this past weekend? Mitch, it's a loaded week. Loaded week, got a lot going on. And heck, even on Tuesday, we got Guardians, Guardians, Cavs. I mean, what a start to the week for us. I mean, we started off the week with no Guardians and no Cavs, so the rest of the week will be plentiful for us. So we'll take you through what's going on there. We also want to take you guys into what's happening this week in big-time sports. Now, for those of you who uh, are new to the show and don't know, every week we like to go over what's going to be on the schedule for this coming week in big times broadcasting. We'll have a number of shows here on the big time sports show with special guests. We'll also have uh, some upcoming games here for you. We start off here this week on Wednesday at 7 PM and Friday at 10 PM, whether it's on your local cable listings or on big time sports, You will see the action extreme sports racing team. Join O'Mello tones at the big time sports studio for the big time sports show. Now, as far as our games coming this week, we have a number of games here to get to. We have this coming Thursday at 10 p.m. and Friday at 6 p.m. Replays of the Tuscarawas Central Catholic Saints taking on the Dover Crimson Tornadoes in softball. You can find that live stream on Thursday at 5 p.m. on BigTimeSportsOhio.com or on the local broadcast network app or on localbroadcastnetwork.com. Now, for Friday, we will have at 5 p.m. the start of Sandy Valley taking on Central Catholic in softball. Once again, on BigTimeSportsOhio.com or the LBN app, or you can find the replays of it on Friday at 11 p.m. and Saturday at 2 p.m. Mitch, we have a pair of uh, Hoover-centric games coming up in your uh, area this week. I mean, take us through that and take us through who you will be seeing this coming week on the BTS show. Well, Mitch, first off on the BTS show, you can catch that Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. We will have the Jackson Boys Volleyball team. You know, boys volleyball is now an OHSAA-sanctioned sport. The volleyball program at Jackson has been going strong as a club sport for the past few years, but now in the OHSAA and being sanctioned, they have a number of talented players, including Owen Wolbert, who we've talked about frequently on the show during basketball season, who is a Harvard volleyball commit. So we'll be able to see and catch up with Coach Jackson of the Jackson Polar Bears uh, on the Big Time Sports TV show this week. Then live stream 5 p.m. on BigTimeSportsOhio.com with a replay Tuesday night at 10 and Wednesday at 4.30. The Hoover Vikings and the Perry Panthers softball. Mitch, these matchups over the past few years have been phenomenal. Two of the top teams in the Federal League for a number of years now. They're going back at it. Hoover with only one Federal League lost so far this year perry going to try to hand them number two and get back in this federal league race and then on the flip side baseball the hoover boys baseball team versus the perry panthers boys baseball team that'll be live streamed at 5 p.m uh big time sports ohio.com and then the replay wednesday night at 10 and thursday at 4 p.m hoover coming off a nice impressive win last week at jackson in federal league play perry still searching for that first federal league win We'll have to see what shakes out this week in the Federal League because it's starting to get crazy. Of course, and you can find our local cable listings at Spectrum 15 and 989, depending on if you're in Tuscarawas or Stark County, or you can also check out MCT 128 if you may so be in the Maslin area. Be sure to check us out online at WIVMTV.com. That is a local live stream uh, website listing that we have. But you can also find us on Twitter at BTS Ohio, or of course, go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can also download the LBN app for free to check out all of our local broadcasts. 
and uh, game presentations, as well as this show. We've started listing our uh, podcast on the, the LBN app. You can find the full video uh, listings there. I mean, uh, we do appreciate you guys taking the time, if you can, to watch our programming. So there we go. Uh, we'll start off here, as we usually do, with a lot of the local score listings. I was in Dover Friday night for a match between the Crimson Tornadoes and the New Philadelphia Quakers. Now, it was a very exciting one between two rival schools. Now, it was a uh, good one for the Quakers as they were able to win 6-2 to two over Dover on Friday night. A big shout-out to our player of the game, Owen Courtney, a freshman for New Philadelphia, who was able to come in in relief in the bottom of the fourth inning to uh, take over for Quaker starter Sam Rufinaw. Courtney allowed only a walk and a hit-by-pitch to the Crimson Tornado lineup over the final four innings. No hits and only two base runners there as New Philadelphia was able to extend their lead late in the game. Gavin Blake had a huge two-run double in the top of the sixth inning that extended the Dover lead, uh, or extended the New Philly lead off Dover reliever Colin Bruno has been very sharp this season. Uh, Blake finished with two hits and three at-bats, and Ethan Kelliker took the loss for New or for Dover despite pitching the first three and a third's innings, surrendering a pair of runs as Dover had three key errors, especially in that final inning for Kelliker as they threw the ball around a couple of times, a couple of errors over at first base led to the run scored by New Philly. Ben Ham was the one that drove in Dover's first run of the game on a single, the only RBI for Dover on the contest. A big win for New Philadelphia as they improved to 7-2 and two in what is now a non-conference affair. And we also have here a number of other scores that we've been seeing from this past weekend in baseball. Uh, we had Fairless sweep a doubleheader at Malvern, 9-0 and 14-1 in five innings, both, I believe, at Malvern. And then a couple of other uh, matchups here as we go through the listings. But really quickly, Mitch, before we get into that, I want to hear what's been going on in the baseball side over in Stark, because there's a lot of teams that are remaining competitive as we approach the second half of the primary month of the OHSAA baseball season. Yeah, Mitch, not only competitive, but some teams are really starting to make a statement and pull away for who the top team in the area could be, not just in federal league play, but really just in the entire Stark County area. And one of those teams right now, Mitch, is the Louisville Leopards. The Leopards are hot. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, they had two wins over St. Vincent, St. Mary. They beat Akron Hoban. They beat Chardon, who they lost to last year. They stay on track this week. They improved the record to seven and three after beating Perry 12 to two over the past few days. Jackson traveled to Cincinnati. Jackson coming off that eight, nothing loss to Hoover last week. The question was, how would they rebound? And one of the most, you know, unexpected losses or just in terms of how it looked. And you have to give Mason Ashby credit for Hoover. Jackson went down to Cincinnati, played a doubleheader. They defeated Centerville six to four after trailing four, nothing after one. So a very good win there. Uh, Hogan Sedlock for Jackson had three RBIs, a basis clearing double to give Jackson a five, four lead in that. Jackson then returned to the field right after and took on a very tough Lakota East squad that is typically always one of the top teams in the state. Lakota East handed Jackson their third loss of the year, 12-3 to in that game. Uh, Jackson really could not do too much. They trailed 3-0. They made it 3-1. Then it was 4-3, but a five spot in the fifth and a three spot in the sixth from Lakota East proved to be too much. Maslin took on Green. Maslin defeated Green 4 to nothing. Uh, over the weekend, Masson improves to eight and two, Mitch. Green falls to five and five overall. So the Masson Tigers are off to a very strong start this year. Hoover took on Menor. Menor typically always a very 
you know, a powerhouse here in Northeast Ohio in baseball. Uh, Menor defeated Hoover six to five on Saturday. That game was up at Menor. So Hoover falls to four and five overall. But Mitch, I mentioned Menor being a powerhouse. With the win, Menor improves to two and seven. A very bizarre start for Menor in terms of what we expect out of them. The Lake Blue Streak, the Lake Blue Streaks suffered two losses this past week. They lost, we mentioned, to Green earlier in Federal League play. They then lost to Woodridge two to one on Saturday. It was a very tightly contested game. Woodridge had three errors and overcame that to still win two to one, scoring two runs and eight hits. Lake falls to eight and two overall. The McKinley Bulldogs, Mitch. I'll tell you what, their record is not really indicate how good they are because this is a team that lost one nothing, giving up one run in the seventh to Copley over the weekend. But the Bulldogs this year have a lot of good pitching, are better defensively, and can really, unlike this game, hit the ball and score runs. They were held to one hit after Patterson for Copley through a one-hit complete game shutout for Copley. Uh, Savion Wilkins got the start for uh, McKinley. Unfortunately, took the loss. He went five innings and took the loss one, nothing, but that's really a lot of the scores up here that we had over the weekend. Of course. And then on Saturday, we also had a number of non-conference affairs in the IVC with the uh, IVC teams winning four of them uh, among them, Indian Valley crushing Meadowbrook 21 to two. You also had Sandy Valley winning 12 to four over St. Thomas Aquinas. Tusky Valley also had a huge win over union local 11 zip while Claymont beat Minerva eight to four. Now, some of the losses that we had was Heath, or excuse me, Ridgewood losing to Heath 5-4. to four. You also had Smithville edging Strasburg 8-7, to seven, and Tuslaw taking down Central Catholic 19-1. As you look at the standings here, Buckeye Trail still in the IBC North's top spot at 5-1, and one, at 9-2 and two overall. But Canaan Valley is just behind them at 7-2, and 9-4. And, and Newcomerstown hasn't had a ton of IVC games lately, but they are in third place at 2-3 and three and 5-4, and four, just ahead of Strasburg 3-3 three and three and 4-6. and six. Now, Indian Valley is at the top of the IVC South still. It's uh, two, just 2-0 two and oh with a 6-2 and two overall record. Tuskegee Valley and Highland just behind them at 5-1 and one and 3-1 and one in conference, respectively. Tuskegee Valley 8-2, and two, Highland 6-1. and one. Then you go to the softball side, where it's a, it's a lot of the same teams still re- remaining competitive. Claymont is ahead 8-0 uh, in IVC South play, 12-2 and two overall. And those Strasburg Tigers, Nearly suffered their second loss in just a week span, but they were able to pull out a two to one victory over West Holmes on Saturday that came down to the wire. We mentioned uh, uh, some of the players that have really stood out this year, and it was uh, Lily Bassett uh, having a two out bunt single. A uh, bold move by Strasburg there, scoring Ella Gilkerson with the tying run uh, in the bottom of the seventh inning. And after an Amelia Spidell walk to load the bases, Haley Rigger was able to uh, launch a ball to the wall and win the game for Strasburg. Uh, it's a, it was an interesting one for the Tigers, who, as we mentioned, are 13-1 and one as uh, uh, their usual starter, Spidell, worked in relief for one of their younger pitchers in Lauren Harvey. Harvey went five and a third innings for Strasburg, while Spidell... Uh, left the Knights hitless over the final 1.2 innings. Uh, also in uh, softball over this past weekend, we had a high-scoring showdown between uh, Tusky Valley and Malvern on Friday in which the uh, Trojans were able to beat the Hornets 11-10. to uh, The Trojans were down 10-7 to 
going into the bottom of the fifth. But then they got four runs off Malvern starter Catherine Kidder, who went the whole way for Malvern. Uh, Kyra Garbrandt had three hits for the Trojans, including a pair of doubles. And she also uh, closed down the game over the last 1.2 innings. So we've had a number of high-scoring games in the IBC this year, and I'm sure we're going to have a few more as we approach the end of this upcoming year. We also had a huge upset on uh, Friday night in which Newcomerstown was able to come back against Garraway 7-5. The Trojans taking advantage of four Pirates errors, nodding the score up at 5-5 in the top of the fourth inning on a big two-run home run, and then winning the game in eight. And that's a big win on the road for the Trojans, who are currently sitting in the softball standings. At uh, let me see here in second place behind Strasburg, they are ten and two on the year, seven and one in the IVC, and then Canaan Valley is in third place after Canaan dropped uh, two straight games to Strasburg early on in uh, this month. That they're the only two IVC losses that Canaan's had so far this season. And Indian Valley and Garraway right behind Claymont in those standings as well. So when we come back, we'll be going over some more local uh, Tuscarawas County, Stark County news involving sports, a couple of coaching hirings and resignations here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young and Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. 
Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching in a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. We welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We just got done talking about some of the local spring scores, and now we want to go over to some of the winter stories that are coming out of both the IVC and the Federal League from this past uh, Monday. It was kind of a mini Black Monday, if you will, as there were a couple of coaching resignations. Uh, We've had some ones early on in the season. We mentioned a few weeks ago Mick Saban out at Perry after one year, but we want to start off with a hiring in Stark County as Mitch. There was uh, a bit of a surprising resignation uh, about a month ago where Jim Gottschall was, uh, decided to step down as Hoover's girls basketball coach after just one season. But now the Lady Vikings have a new coach who is a bit seasoned in uh, other areas of the state, despite being a resident of North Canton. And Mitch, the Vikings are hoping this is the last head coaching search they have to have for a while. They This is now the fourth head coach for the Lady Vikings in four years. Abby Alderling stepped down in 2021 after nine seasons at the helm of Hoover to focus on health and family. Josh Mason then took over for one season before then going to Tiffin University, become the head coach there for the university's women's basketball team. You mentioned Gotchel, who was in his first year there last year at Hoover, guided them to an eight and 16 record and then resigned. And now it is time for Craig Nettleton as the head coach of the Lady Vikings at Hoover High School, Mitch. And you mentioned He is from the area. He has spent 26 seasons coaching high school basketball, 370 and 227 overall record uh, between field and Southeast high schools. Uh, He was the Falcons boys head coach for 15 years, going 200 and 139, and the girls head coach for six seasons, going 85 and 56, before taking over the Pirates girls coach for the last five seasons at 85 and 32. The track record speaks for itself, Mitch. He has won everywhere he's went. He has a winning record in three different stints as a head coach, whether it's at the boys' level or girls' level or at a different school. And when you look at some of the articles that came out and uh, Hoover Athletic Director Tom Oak said, Nettleton quickly rose to the top of the 10 candidates who were either interviewed or targeted during the search. So for Hoover and for Nettleton, this seems like a perfect match. He obviously had interest here. Hoover obviously identified him as one of the top candidates. And it worked itself out, and he gets to go to an area he's grown up in and lived in, just hasn't really coached in, 
And I'm sure this is going to be a nice job for him to be able to stay a little bit local. And for Hoover, obviously hoping that they do not have to do this again anytime soon. And we'll have to wait and see, but hopefully Coach Nettleton is somebody we can get on here soon, much like we did last week uh, with Coach Weatherspoon that's now at McKinley. And uh, it'd be great to sit down and talk with him about his decision, the transition coming to Hoover, and then what he expects for this program, Mitch, that really isn't that far removed from being a dominant force in the Federal League. No doubt. And I'm happy you brought up uh, Coach Weatherspoon's talk. It was great talking to him. And uh, we posted that on not only here on our YouTube channel, but we also uh, posted the clip of it as well. You can find that uh, right here on the Big Time Sports uh, Podcast YouTube channel if you would like to. We uh, would love to get Coach uh, Nettleton on the show if the time is right here in the next couple of days or weeks. Um, you mentioned Hoover having a few one-off seasons here and there over the last couple of campaigns. Well, Strasburg has a similar situation, not so much multiple seasons because Adam Hall was there for quite a while at Strasburg, but his successor in Ron Miller is now stepping down after one season with the Tiger Boys basketball team. Ron Miller uh, officially resigned on Monday to Strasburg Franklin High School uh, to take the head coaching job at Ohio Christian University for their men's basketball program. Uh, he was quoted in a statement to Big Time Sports saying, quote, I love it here and that it made it extremely hard to leave, but it has always been a dream of mine to be a college head coach, and I feel like this is an opportunity I could not pass up, unquote. Now, Miller was a very interesting hire when he took over as the Tigers coach uh, last April. He was a young guy, fresh out of, uh, not fresh out of New Philadelphia High School. He had graduated there a few years before, but he was a young up-and-comer who had been an assistant coach at his alma mater at Alderson Broadus before being an assistant at Malone University. The Tigers... Went did pretty well under Miller's first campaign, first and only campaign, I should say. 18 and 7. They finished third in the IVC North Division. They reached the East District semifinals in the Division 4 OHSAA tournament. Bit of a, a nice run for the Tigers after people weren't sure if they would even be competitive following the resignation of Coach Hall the year before. But Miller was able to take a number of the players that uh, were, were under Coach Hall's tenure and also bring in some new blood to really uh, create a Tiger squad that could uh, lock down on defense when needed to at times. They were able to uh, put some serious points up, especially with guys like Gage Moore and Joe Fisher. When they were on the floor, they were really good offensively. Um, so the Tigers will be on the search for a new boys varsity head coach. And then another team that will be looking on for a new head coach is Tuscarora Central Catholic's girls basketball squad after Greg Triplett announced his resignation as the head coach on Monday in a, in a resignation letter that was penned by Triplett, uh, which you can find on my Facebook page, my professional Facebook page, Mitch Spinell Sports. Um, he cited a number of reasons for stepping down after five seasons with the Saints, in which he went 77 and 28 with a pair of IVC North Division Championships two IVC North Coach of the Year honors, and an East District title for the Saints, their first in 17 seasons. So, you know, the triplet cited, you know, uh, focusing in on his job more at Marlite. He also wanted to say he wanted to spend more time with his family, watch his daughter Reese and uh, son uh, Jackson uh, participate in their respective collegiate uh, forms. Reese playing basketball, obviously. Jackson running at Xavier. And uh, Triplett's daughter earned all state honors this past season while reaching the thousand point mark for her career, uh, finished up her senior campaign with the Saints currently playing softball right now. Um, we will see a new tenure for Tuscarora Central Catholic. 
And it'll be an interesting one because Triplett was one of the more consistent coaches over the last couple of years in the IVC, especially for a school, Mitch. This is the sixth smallest school in the state in terms of population. And the and them being able to even references this in his uh, campaign or in his campaign in his resignation letter. The TCC girls that he coached were rock stars, most of them playing multiple sports, maintaining their grades, uh, the level of, and he said, quote, the level of commitment they have made to our program over these years is simply indescribable from participation, which he explains as being able to fill varsity and JV rosters, despite being one of the smallest schools in the state to being fierce competitors in every game and at every practice, unquote. So it'll be interesting to see what Tuscarora Central Catholic does here. Um, I was going to say, if you had something, go ahead. I was just going to say to the point of what you just read, because I have it pulled up here, being able to fill varsity and junior varsity rosters, mm-hmm. although being one of the smallest schools, that speaks to the volume of what type of head coach he was too. Although he was extremely successful, that means he built a great culture and great program. And that is sometimes what's the hardest part to replace when you go look for a head coach, Mitch. I mean, and listen, there's a number of schools out there looking for head coaches right now. We have two in your area. We saw the Perry boys team up here looking for a head coach. There's going to be a lot of opportunities for someone to come in and try to fill those shoes or create a program the way they want to almost like how triplet created at TCC. Those are big shoes to fill, but that's also just a very impressive mark that goes along with what being a head coach really means. And okay. I think that's very impressive being that small of a school and having people want to come play for you year in and year out. No doubt. And we will be right back here after a quick break. We'll go over some of the, uh, uh, the game that happened on Saturday, which we'll get to that Mitch is alluding to. And then we'll, we'll have another, we'll have a potential comeback here in game two. We'll also have uh, some talk about a very interesting blog post that I saw this past weekend here on the big time sports podcast show. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. 
You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward, with each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care, Alt Care, where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world, get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hey, welcome you back here to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Balla back here. Mitch, let's go over it. Game one was a was a tough opener last Saturday between the Cavs and the Knicks. Uh, close one throughout most of the contest, but the Knicks were in, ended up as the winners, one hundred one to ninety seven. I talked about this for four hours on Sunday over at ninety two three. The fan just it, it wasn't a great opener for a young Cavs team that has never mostly never experienced the post the traditional postseason before. We saw uh, Donovan Mitchell obviously show out the way he needed to, even though he had a couple of uh, key plays in the game where I'm like, maybe he couldn't have done that, but. Garland was had a tough one. Mobley had a tough one. Jared Allen had a tough one until late in the game. Isaac Okoro didn't want to take a shot after the first quarter. I mean, what can we take away from this game? And is there a reason to panic right now after the Knicks kind of made a bit of a statement on the road to start off? I think you can panic if you want. I wouldn't panic until after game two is over. The difference in this game, Mitch, is what I alluded to last week. Rebounding. The Cavs got eaten alive on the boards. Yep. So much, in fact, that the Knicks were getting half their misses in the fourth quarter. And that ultimately proved to be the difference. The Cavs, having two seven-footers helps. But having two seven-footers that are not aggressive enough or not strong enough is not going to be good enough when you have three undersized players on the court with those seven-footers at a time. Isaac Okora, we know, is undersized to be a small forward. Darius Garland is a smaller guard. Donovan Mitchell is a smaller guard. Yeah. Having three guys out there at the same time compared to an RJ Barrett type, when you look at the size difference between him and a Donovan Mitchell or Isaac Okoro, the Knicks being able to send four, sometimes five guys at the glass with only two seven footers down there is going to ultimately help them. For the Cavs, though, Mitch, this game could not have started any worse. They got some help when Jalen Brunson went to the bench early in the first half with three fouls. And a lot of people were going, oh, we're okay. Look, we played as bad as we did. And we're we're only down by this much. And it was like, well, you're only down this much because their best player barely played. And sure enough, everybody, and I mean everybody, in the world that was watching that game knew exactly who was getting the ball and exactly who was going to take the shot in the fourth quarter. And the Cavaliers seemingly did nothing to stop it. And that was my biggest takeaway from game one. The rebounding, and Mitch, there's clips out there, which it's actually disturbing to watch, of how Julius Randle would box out Evan Mobley and Jared Allen or run into them to get a rebound, and Mobley and Allen just can't hold them. But besides that, the next disturbing thing I had to watch was how often Jalen Brunson just decided to go to work on Jetty Osmond. It was that they should have had to take that game off TV for how often Jetty Osman got cooked defensively. And everybody that had eyes watching that game knew exactly what was going to happen the entire time. 
And I didn't think it'd be an issue, but throughout the regular season, it was oftentimes that JB didn't know who to play when off the bench. And I get it. Our bench is not that great. The Knicks by far have the advantage in the bench. Mm-hmm. But, but Saturday night, we fell victim to not knowing who to play when because there was one guy, Mitch, that should have been in that game and he did not get a single minute. And that was Lamar Stevens. Mm. I'm not saying Lamar Stevens is a great score. No. I'm not saying that at all. But Mitch, you and I both remember that game against the Celtics earlier in the 2023 calendar where the Cavs were getting beat all game, all game. And Lamar Stevens came in and what did he give you? He gave you energy. He gave you extra possessions. He gave you lockdown defense. And that's exactly what you needed in that final fourth quarter against the Knicks. And you didn't have it. You knew Brunson was going to go to work on Osman. And Lamar Stevens is a guy that will go and lay his body out in the line to get a rebound. So what I'm looking for tonight is I have to hope that I see Lamar Stevens on that floor. I don't need to see Dean Wade, who who literally did not offer you anything. No. Uh, on either floor, either end of the floor. And are Evan Mobley and Jar- Jared Allen going to show up with a fire lit? Because if not, then the Knicks are not only going to do what they did Saturday to us on the boards, but it could get even worse. And we'll have to wait and see. I Garland, Mitch, I don't know. There's been rumors he's not 100% healthy. He may have sprained a finger, broken a finger. We don't know. We'll find out tonight. But Darius Garland, after an all-star year last season, coming into this season, having almost identical numbers to his all-star year, but obviously having to take a seat because he has an all-star guard in his team with Donovan Mitchell, not attempting a single shot in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But- bizarre. That was that was that was a a the effect of Donovan having to take over in that game, which right. kind of what you were talking about with Stevens. The Cavaliers are playing so so behind throughout most of the game that I think if they do get that lead earlier on, then maybe they bring in Stevens to become a bigger body that they can get the rebounds on. But when you get that lead with what a minute and a half remaining on that Donovan missed layup and Jared Allen's put back slam, that's where we, we just thought, okay, maybe we should just let all let all let it all lay out within the next minute and see what happens. And it's frustrating to see those situations like Hartenstein, Isaiah Hartenstein uh, slapping the ball out to the top of the key and getting the Knicks another possession for Brunson to score. It's frustrating to get to give them three scoring opportunities to where Mitchell Robinson is out sprint out hustling some of your uh, bigger guys and even smaller guys. And Garland had a a comment regarding uh, the Cavs. I maybe being a little off taken aback by the Knicks physicality in that game. And that can be, that can be a little eye raising for me, especially when this Cavaliers team outside of Mobley and Allen doesn't really have the size or the strength to take on the likes of some of those Knicks players, What you got to do in this game. You got to get better at shooting, obviously, because both teams are awful from the three point line until later on in the game. Uh, you got to just make, try to find some better shot selections, try to slash the paint a little more. I felt that there were times where Garland, took like a 14 footer. Maybe it was a fadeaway or kind of like a floater. And I thought, well, you, maybe you could have driven in a little more and gotten a little more crafty, but I don't know. To me, this is the game two is must win. If you go, if oh. you, if you go down to nothing and you go to Madison square garden with that deficit, I, I don't it's think a, you're winning. And it's, and Cavs aren't golden state levels of bad on the road, but it's, it's been very difficult for them specifically to win at the garden this year. And, not only that, but now you're going to a place that has been craving a good team for years. We know that. And has been craving a first round playoff win. If you go to New York down 2-0, Mitch, that is going to be the most hostile environment this Cavaliers team as a unit right now over the past two years has ever seen. Yeah. And it's just, 
it's worrisome. On the flip side, though, Mitch, let's not focus on the negatives. We can, but flip them into positives. How many open layups did we miss? We Quite missed a, a lot of open layups. Karis Levert was one of seven. I know he can be streaky. Mm-hmm. You have to think Karis Levert will probably have a better game offensively. Dean Wade, like I said, I he doesn't offer you. I, a whole I don't. I don't want to talk about him. Any. I don't even talk about him. I don't want to talk about Ricky Rubio, who caused two turnovers and it, missed a it, wide open layup. I don't and you would that. expect more from Rubio too. But where's Danny Green? I know he's coming back from injury, but he's a guy that signed with us because we gave him two million dollars. Right. He doesn't see the court. No. That, that to me doesn't make sense. But if he sees the court, could he possibly give you something from behind the three point line where you went ten of thirty one? This game, I think this game is going to determine whether or not JB breaks away from that four-man rotation in the reserves that we've been accustomed to and we're likely going to be accustomed to for the start of the playoffs. Could Danny Green get more minutes? Could Lamar Stevens get more minutes? I would hope so, even if we aren't down big early on in game two. Yeah. And 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 to be fair with the whole Madison Square Garden uh, hostile environment thing, the Cavaliers had energy in that game. The Rockmore Shaw had energy in that game. I think what the difference might be, though, if you get down 0-2, New York is hungry for not only a good playoff team, but also to try and erase some of those demons yeah. over the last couple of seasons. The Cavaliers have now had two seasons where it seems like the NBA uh, NBA fandom is a little bit on their side because, you know, they're like the, the young t- up and coming team, you know, people, they're not very unlikable, but the Knicks are playing with a little more to prove going into these playoffs, even before game one, I thought. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I knew it was going to be a seven game series probably, but now I'm thinking maybe Knicks and seven, but it, d- it depends on what happens in this second game. If the Cavaliers pull it out, you get a blank slate going into your road yeah. matchup. And I, th- I think the Cavaliers can absolutely pull it out. I wouldn't be shocked if they came out tonight, Mitch, and they win by close double digits or maybe more this Cavs team. We've seen it all year. They can rebound from a loss very well, come out and make a statement out of this. But the last thing, they can afford here is to fall behind mm-hmm. two games to none before going to New York. Now we saw yesterday, Josh Hart is listed as doubtful. Yes. Oh, that would be, yes. That would be an advantage in the Cavs favor. Josh Hart. God, Mitch, him and his headband, probably the most underrated move at the deadline. If we're being honest in terms of yeah. the trade, yes, obviously he got overshadowed because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving headlined all the trades. Sure. But Josh Hart being acquired at the trade deadline, having 17 points off the bench and the bench was realistically the difference, Mitch. Yeah. Nick's bench just absolutely throttled the Cavs bench in terms of points scored. The Cavs had 14 bench points. Josh Hart outscored our entire bench himself. Yeah, and Jetty had nine of those. Yeah. Hartenstein, Toppin, and quickly adding a yeah. point. Two. Every time Hartenstein and Obi Toppin came back, and I got scared because yep. those are guys who have size, but Toppin can, has enough athleticism to where he can break away. And he did that a few times during the contest to where I'm like, okay, that's the guy I saw at Dayton during the, uh, the COVID stricken yep. year, the player of the year. I don't know, man. Look, the Cavs, they're fine right now. If they go yeah. down on two, then it's like, okay, it's, it's time to hit the button, but we'll see. We shall see. There's been plenty of other teams in this playoffs already mentioned have lost at home. We're not yeah. the only team. Yeah, I mean, we look at some of the games uh, even from yesterday where I'll, I'll start off on Sunday where we had a lot of game ones after the starts to the to the playoffs. And it was kind of what we expected. Well, I mean, it wasn't what I expected in the Bucks losing game one to the Miami Heat. I thought that Jimmy could steal one. I, I really did. But um, that was a surprise. Clippers beating the Suns is also a surprise, especially with Kawhi hitting too late threes down the stretch and then Russell Westbrook even though he had a terrible shooting night 
having that block on Booker at the end and then forcing it off of him out of bounds, key play, key play. And then the Nuggets beating the Timberwolves, not a surprise. Lakers beating the Grizzlies was a surprise. I know people have been really hyping up L.A. as one of the hotter teams going into the postseason, but I still thought two versus seven, it's, it's whatever. Now the Lakers are starting to look like the favorites. And then you go into Monday where it's Sixers and Nets, and Sixers, yeah, we, we knew this. Brooklyn wasn't going to do anything. And these Kings, I know the Warriors are awful away from Oracle, but I said on Sunday, if the Kings lose one of these games at home, it's over. Yeah. I I, 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 might, I might be buying Kings stock now after these first two games because well, I've been really impressed. And we'll have to see what happens, Mitch. Is there a chance Draymond Green gets suspended? Because that has been mm-hmm. the talk after the Kings win the second game last night. And for those that did not see, I am not excusing DeMont- DeMontis Sabonis' actions of grabbing Draymond Green's ankle. But Draymond Green did Draymond Green things. And his stomp was extremely unnecessary into the ribs of Sabonis. He was ejected. And now, Mitch, when it comes to an act like that, obviously we've seen Draymond suspended before for the number of technical fouls you can get in a season. Mitch, we've seen a lot of altercations from players before in the NBA, some resulting in fines, some resulting in suspensions. If we're going off what we've seen in the past, what Draymond Green last night is worthy of a suspension. But does the NBA want to suspend him and put the Warriors in a hole, or would they like to have him out there still and see if the Warriors can win both games at home and make this then a best of three tied at two, two going back to Sacramento for game five. We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, that was the series I was most interested in because I wanted to see what that crowd was like in Sacramento. That crowd was electric that folks, they were the longest team in American professional sports for a drought in terms of postseason after the Mariners made the playoffs this past season. It has been electric. The playoffs have been fun so far. And the only other thing I'll say is the Lakers, Mitch, they do look hot. That was only the second time. I did some research. Second time LeBron James has not been one of the top three players scoring on a team, and they've won. The other time was when he was in Miami. In his first year with Miami, he was fourth in scoring with, I believe, 16 or 18 points in a win over the 76ers when the Heat were the one seed and the Sixers were eight. Austin Reeves played phenomenal. Anthony Davis played phenomenal. Looked like he might be done. Comes back out, has a great second half. Rui Achimura. And then Mitch, what is John Morant? We saw John Morant have a nasty injury, and apparently x-rays came back negative. But even if he plays in game two, which he's questionable, how effective will he be? And I truly do believe that the Memphis Grizzlies talking all the crap they did, woke up the Lakers a little bit and made them want to come out and punch the Grizzlies in the mouth. And that's exactly what they did. And these playoffs have been entertaining, but all that matters is Cavs. Good karma. They got to win game two. I don't yes. care about anything else right now. The Cavs have to win game two. So the last point I wanted to make in this segment is the Grizzlies game Lakers game. John Morant got hurt when he uh, hurt his wrist during that game. Another game that a big star got uh, hurt in was Giannis Antetokounmpo during that game. One of bucks versus heat where he only finished playing 11 minutes had a lower back contusion. The the key factor in both of those injuries that both of them were trying to take a charge. I don't know if you read the athletic Mitch, but there was a, there was a story done by Zach Harper, who I've, I've actually read before and has had a number of pretty solid columns over the past couple of years or so. 
what would you say if somebody said the the NBA needed to get rid of the charge in general? Uh, they're crazy. Well, okay, so crazy. so Zach Harper might be crazy because he he had this whole column where he said the NBA needs to ban the charge because it's stupid and needs to go away, or why the NBA needs to ban the charge because it's stupid and needs to go away. Uh, he was quoted in the, his own column saying, I know we've tricked ourselves through the lore and grainy black and white clips that this is a true sacrifice when trying to play defense. It's really not, especially not anymore. Not with today's athleticism. The charge is a bailout call for the defense. It's a game of three card Monty where you're encouraging collisions as if there were some kind of goal line stand in football. The alternative would make for a better basketball product, but the league seems so set in its ways on whether or not to change the rule or even consider it that it's willing to create bad situations time and time again. So basically we're already taking more of the defense out of a league that has taken so much of the defense out already that for the sake of two superstars who happen to get hurt on the same day doing the same thing. So therefore we just need to get rid of the entire rule. And I understand this is an opinion piece by Harper and he's very, he's extremely entitled to his opinion. I'm not, I, I shouldn't say extremely entitled because that could sound really bad out of context in a sentence, but he has, he has the right to right to be able to write something like that. And we have the right to look at something like that and say, no, because I, that that's, that's part of basketball. They put that rule in for a reason because otherwise guys would have just have the easiest time getting down into the lane. Now, if you want to maybe possibly extend the ring under the basket in which players could take a charge without getting called for a blocking foul, that's an option, I think. But to take it away to the point where guys would just, Guys are already getting out of the way because they don't want to be put on posters for dunks. I can't imagine having no incentive to be ever wanting to sacrifice your body like that. Mitch, we got to watch it firsthand for a number of years, starting in 2014, when the Cavaliers acquired one of the best big men to be able to draw charges in Kevin Love. Mm -hmm. Kevin Love, it's not a bailout. Kevin Love will literally stand there and put his body on the line, and I believe he drew three charges on Sunday in Milwaukee. He will put his body on the line. And it's also so that the offense cannot be extremely out of control driving into the middle of the lane. What you're doing now is you, to your point, Mitch, taking defense away in a league that has already tried to take some defensive things away to allow players and offense to come into the game a little more. I believe there are certain times that maybe you could say, oh, it's a bailout. You know, they are taking a charge because it's the last resort. But there's other times, Mitch. And we got to see it firsthand with Kevin Love, and you saw it again on Sunday. He will sit there and say, look, I'm going to stand here. If you're going to run me over, I'll take the contact. But there's other players that can come in, see that, stop on a dime, and do a floater or a little jump shot in the middle of the paint. I I totally do not agree at all with that article that came out. I I would be shocked if this ever, you know, came to fruition. They got rid of the charge in general. Um, But I I get it. You don't want to see a product and have your best part of the product go down and Giannis Antetokounmpo and other players. But I mean, charges have literally changed the game on both sides of the basketball match. And there's teams that can get back in the game because offenses are so out of control driving. There's other teams that they can't take charges. And next thing you know, it's and one baskets for the offense. I think it, at, it's critical that it stays in the game of basketball. I, I read over some of the uh, suggestions that Harper had in his column, and some of them I do agree with. Number one, expand the restricted area if we're going to keep some semblance of the charge. That I agree with. I mean, we added this, he even said here, we added this to the game back when Marbury, AI, and Robert Pack 
with the majority of the short guys trying to dunk on everybody. And there's been an insane ev- evolution of athleticism since then. I, I agree with that. You go back and look at the eighties guys like magic Johnson and Julius Irving weren't even getting the hops that like the likes of Nate Robinson and Zach Levine are nowadays to where they're not as good a basketball players overall, but those guys can jump uh, to eliminate the weak side charge. Uh, someone sneaking over or over to slide under a player's path as they drive from the other side of the court does not make for a good product. Okay. Stop calling the passing crash. There is no excuse for allowing a charge to be called without a shoulder being lowered by the offensive player. When a player has already let a shot go or pass the ball away before making contact with the defender, trying to make a charge. Okay. I'd have to like brush out more on that one. Uh, four, allow hand checking. That was the big one that the NBA reversed, I think, in 2005 after it, it, the, 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 the product of the NBA became so unmarketable that the Detroit Pistons in that era, the Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tyshawn Prince era, were daring teams to score 75 or more points. You, I, I, I was on TikTok the other day, and one of my, my, my algorithm decided to show me uh, 2005 NBA Finals clips between the Spurs and the Pistons. And the and the and the scores are like eighty one to seventy nine with two minutes remaining. It's an, like it's that's insane nowadays. There was one game that was like sixty six to sixty seven, and it's like that would be a halftime score in a number of modern NBA contests. And then the fifth one was loosen up. Uh, well, actually, you brought up a whole bunch of uh, uh, things here. Loosen up vert- verticality. Stop calling defenders for fouls or an offensive player jumps into them unnaturally. That's fair. Bring back penalties for flopping and make sure offensive players are held to the same standard as defenders. That one could get a little tricky because the fines for flopping became a huge thing about eight, uh, seven or eight years ago. And players were getting frustrated with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. For now, I don't think that because that, you know, that would lead to that would probably lead to eventually charges being dropped from college basketball and then maybe even scholastic basketball. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine scholastic grade basketball without a charge or even the college game, but who knows? Um, Before we move on, I just want to ask you, and I also want to bring light to another topic really quick in basketball. Sure. Jaron Jackson did get awarded defensive players. That was something that we thought Evan Mobley had a really good shot at. Yeah. Surprising that Evan Mobley actually finished third Hmm. uh, behind Brooke Lopez of the bucks. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. So I'll get your, I want your thoughts on that, but also besides our Cavaliers, which team so far in the playoffs is in the most danger of being upset in the first round? Most danger of being upset in the first round? That's a, um, I'd say Memphis. I think Memphis coming in, even even though it seems like they've got mostly gotten past the issues with Jaw over the past uh, couple, I guess, months now at this point. Um, the Lakers are, are are rolling right now. I, I, I could also throw in Clippers or Suns against the Clippers, maybe because the Clippers made a statement in game one, but. Phoenix still has Kevin Durant. They still have Booker. That's that's going to be a very hard team for LA, the Clippers, to be able to to fully get past. Um, so I'd say Memphis right now. But again, this is kind of a two teams coming together where it wouldn't people wouldn't take take it as 2007 Warriors over the Mavericks if they were to upset them. It wouldn't be like that, I don't think. Um, but as far as the uh, defensive player of the year thing. I mean, Jackson had a good year. He led the league with three blocks per game. Uh, he had a, a bunch of first place votes compared to the other two guys in Lopez and Mobley. And I think 
I, I liked a lot of what Mobley was able to do on defense. It seemed like he was a key difference maker on a number of uh, turnovers or or blocks. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it's unfortunate. But I I can see why Jackson was able to take home the honor. But uh, and that, that's what's frustrating about Mobley. He got snubbed for Rookie of the Year for us. He got snubbed for Defensive Player of the Year for us. Um, so hopefully that can add some, some drive and some aggressiveness to him that could be translated onto the court. Because if we just get him to be aggressive, we get him in the gym one summer, like Giannis that summer, that man is going to be, that man is going to be pantheon level of what oh. he's able to bring, get that offensive refined. That's going to be, it, it's going to be like Kevin Durant with a little less vertical, I think. Um, but yeah, that's what we have for the basketball segment here. We'll go over to now to our last segment before the uh, after this commercial break. We'll break down this very fascinating Brown story. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. 
we consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to VeloSportsOhio.com. Here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Balla back for our final segment. Uh, before we get into what was originally our, our final segment topic, uh, we want to send our condolences to uh, a story that ended up breaking this morning. Uh, Chris Smith was a former uh, NFL uh, defender who unfortunately has passed away reportedly at the age of of 31 now uh smith was a member of the cleveland browns i believe during the 2018 uh campaign or yeah excuse me 2019 excuse me uh over two seasons he uh played in 16 games at two starts recording 21 combined tackles one sack two passes defended and a forced fumble he was then waived at in december uh played for a number of teams over a seven uh eight season career and uh, it's an it's an extremely unfortunate circumstance, Mitch, especially because uh, Smith's girlfriend just a few years ago and and also the mother to one of his three children was killed in a car accident. It's it's an unfortunately tragic situation all around. And we do once again give our condolences to uh, the family of Smith. I mean, that it's not a it's it's an unfortunate time. Oh, absolutely. It's very unfortunate. Uh, this is somebody who was still playing too, Mitch. Uh, he was a member of the Seattle Sea Dragons in the XFL. Mm -hmm. This is somebody that was still playing, uh, you know, his dream of playing football at the professional level, probably hoping to get back to the NFL level. And you mentioned, obviously, his his wife passing away um, back when he was here in Cleveland when she exited the car uh, when it had a tire malfunction after hitting a median. Uh, so it's a very, very sensitive topic. And obviously, um, we do not know the cause of death yet from his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who, you know, put out there that Chris had passed away at the age of 31, but obviously um, thoughts and prayers to the rest of his family and, and his children now who have been through a lot in just a, a number of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's where we move on to our final topic of the day, which uh, is a very interesting one. So there was a website known as NEO dash trans dot blog. Uh, it's a blog where it looks to be, I mean, it's a Northeast Ohio, uh, like news blog of sorts. It, it covers stories in the greater Cleveland area, downtown, East, West suburbs, whatever. So there was a story reported by Ken Prender, Ken Prendergast 
uh, on Monday that reported that the Browns in the city of Cleveland have not seen eye to eye on building a new stadium where the projected costs have grown into the billions. So the Haslam's along with Cleveland mayor, Justin Bibb and Berea mayor uh, and um, Cuyahoga County executive, Chris Rone are, if I have this right here, others will instead pursue financing a major rebuilding of the existing football stadium on the lakefront that could cost in excess of $1 billion. Now there were pictures that were listed um, yesterday of what the potential mock-up would be for the stadium. And as you see here, we have a, uh, a bit of a difference in the look around this area of the metropolitan part of Cleveland, right near the water where you have the stadium there. And then you would have this uh, as they refer to it, a, if I have it here, a bridge, a land bridge for people to be able to access uh, to and from the stadium, along with the local shops and restaurants uh, near downtown. And this is interesting to me because uh, obviously there's been talk about the Browns potentially getting a new stadium or revamping uh, what is now Cleveland Brown stadium after first energy dropped the naming rights. It's a interesting one to where I, I, I wouldn't have thought initially that they would just try to rebuild the area around the stadium. I thought they would eventually try to move to a different location, but now they are. And there was a, a little blurb that people got. It was like around the seventh or eighth uh, paragraph of all this. And it says here, this is what surprised me. The project, the own stadium will reportedly be rebuilt on their existing lease with the city rather than wait until after the 30 year lease expires following the 2028 season. The reason for rebuilding the stadium sooner coinciding, coinciding with converting the shoreway to a boulevard, the land bridge is to avoid higher construction costs later on and start the next lease with a newly rebuilt stadium. That means the Browns would play for two to three seasons at another location. It isn't publicly known where the Browns would play, but Columbus is a likely location. Now, WKYC uh, came out this morning, or excuse me, uh, yesterday, last night, with a report that says there's no merit to the report that the team would play home games in Columbus during the stadium renovation. It is believed that the Browns owners would never consider taking the team out of Cleveland and making fans travel for home games. I mean, I would hope there wouldn't be a second Browns owner that would consider taking the team out of their own city, but that's not here nor there. What do you make of this, Mitch? Because it's such a, it would be such a, a fascinatingly strange idea, even if you want to take the time to really revamp that area that you've been at since 1999 and put them in another city and of all places columbus where you're pretty much driving about two to three hours away i think this article was released mitch for a number of reasons i think it was released to see what the feedback would be if the team were to potentially have to play somewhere else for a number of like you mentioned two to three seasons and it be columbus and to see what the feedback would be. And obviously, Mitch, the feedback from people in Cleveland is going to be absolutely not. We don't want this. I mean, even if you said they're going to play in Canton at Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, which, yes, it's a smaller stadium, still an NFL-level type stadium, mm -hmm. a lot of Cleveland fans wouldn't be happy with that because of the amount of season ticket holders that live up in and around Cleveland, you know, east side, west side, along the lake, that's easy to get to Cleveland Brown Stadium. Driving an hour is one thing, Mitch. Now you're asking potential season ticket holders that have been season ticket holders their entire lives to drive to Columbus. On the flip side, I think the Haslam's did that because when you look at the landscape of Ohio, obviously you can't really go any any more South than Columbus because of the Bengals. 
Ohio Stadium is the biggest venue in the state of Ohio. And the Haslam's might be looking at that as, well, you can hold 100,000 people there. What type of revenue could we generate by getting 100,000 people there instead of what I believe is about 65,000 at Cleveland Brown Stadium? Yeah. And, you know, I get it. You want to gauge the interest. But, Mitch, I also find it interesting that some of these news outlets and media outlets that posted this blog yesterday then erased it. You mentioned the WKYC, the one you sent me. Mm-hmm. When I just went back to look at it, the tweet has since been deleted. Oh. And so now you wonder what was the basis of putting this out there was to gauge interest. Listen, if they're going to have to move, Mitch, it's obviously not as big as Ohio Stadium, but Info Cision at Akron is a very nice stadium and a big stadium to a point where it's only about a 30 to 45 minute drive from Cleveland. Wouldn't be that hard. They have to redo something in Cleveland, whether it's build a brand new stadium or redo the stadium they're in. We have heard for years now, they want to redo the lakefront because behind Cleveland Brown Stadium, yes, I get there's a giant lake there. But around the stadium, Mitch, it is, it's awful. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to walk. I mean, you, the closest place you're walking to is what? The Winking Lizard on East 9th? Yes. In the gallery. That's a far walk. You, you, look at, you look at the Guardians of Progressive Field. You have a number of bars and you have the casino right there. The Cavs, obviously, at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse right, are neighbors with the Guardians and Progressive Field. Number of places to go eat and drink before a game and after a game. The Browns, it's you have two tailgating lots, the pit and the muni lot. And that's about it. I don't think they would actually have to move away for that long. I could be wrong because obviously I'm not somebody that's in construction and knows anything about construction. Me neither. You saw the Minnesota Vikings have to go play at the University of Minnesota a number right. of years back, but that's because their dome collapsed. That right. is completely different. I have to believe there'd be ways that if you have to do multiple phases that you could do an entire phase, let them play phase two be completed after the season's over and so on and so forth until that entire stadium is done. It would be a pain in the butt to have to find new parking spots and travel and everything in terms of if they played there, why construction went on, but Mitch moving the team for two to three seasons to a place that has nothing to do with the Browns, which is Columbus, Ohio would be a nightmare. I also find it interesting though, Mitch, that a number of media outlets have deleted that. And then today the Browns put out an article for fans to submit their own art for a new logo at midfield. It's like the Browns said, Oh boy, we got a lot of pushback from this. Nobody's happy with this. What can we do to get people off this? Oh, I know let's redo the logo at midfield that everybody hated last year and let fans get involved because earlier today for the people out there watching and listening, the Cleveland Browns Twitter account, the verified Twitter account did put out a tweet, right? Fans to submit their own logo to potentially replace the logo at midfield. And they're asking for a new Browns dog logo. And so did they put that out because the backlash they got from yesterday was this planned all along? I don't know. Uh, well, that I'll, I'll answer that for you. So the, the Browns, the initial Browns dog logo contest tweet came yesterday at 1.28 p.m. The initial tweet for the NEO, tr- NEO trans blog post on Twitter came out yesterday at 1.39. So 11 minutes after the Browns contest was announced. Now, it doesn't say exactly on the NEO trans blog website 
when the actual blog itself was posted. It just has the day. So it could have been, you know, what those blogs sometimes we kind of have the same thing on our own website, big time where we want to get it out as soon as possible. But sometimes certain articles don't get out until like 10, 20 minutes afterwards. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I think it's just more so coincidence. It's more of an unfortunate coincidence to where while the Browns are trying to get this contest out, it's like, Hey, are we going to be playing in Columbus this year? What's going on guys? What are we doing here? Um, but yeah, as far as the uh, Columbus location, by the way, you mentioned Ohio stadium. It is a possibility and it is referenced in there, but I think if the Browns were to maybe move, they'd probably do the LA chargers route and go to the uh, lower.com field where, uh, the Columbus uh, crew already play. And of course the Haslam's have an, an ownership stake in the crew that only seats 20,371 people. So it'd be by far the, the smallest stadium in the NFL where stadiums get upwards of 60, 70, 80,000. The Browns did play their first orange and Brown scrimmage in Columbus at Ohio, at Ohio stadium on in 2015, where they seated 49,000, 734 fans and it was the highest attended uh, game for any Browns open practice or family day since at least 2005 which could also help them uh, regain fan dominance in Ohio's capital city in comparison from the Bengals and Cincinnati or the Steelers in Pittsburgh but I don't know man it it seems like a very unique kind of uh, idea and I even have some more uh, clip or uh, pictures here this would kind of be a rendering of what might be changed around uh, the area it says here high rises proposed between East 9th Street at the left and a new land bridge with their parking to be included as part of the land bridge project. And as you see here, there is a uh, parking near the uh, bottom right of the picture. So there would be a lot more accessibility other than the Muni lot for people to be able to park their cars and go right to the stadium. I do agree that there needs to be a little more business around there. Maybe they could build some more business around that waterfront if possible, but uh it is a bit of a trek to go from bars that I know, even in, even in the most waterfront side of the city. And I'm not even talking about um, the 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 waterfront one with the all the nightclubs. What's that place called? I keep I'm missing the lofts, flats. Or, the flats. Excuse me. Thank you. I'm not even talking about those because those are so far down that it, it doesn't really. Con- I don't even consider that with Browns games. But if you build some stuff around there, you make it a little more accessible for people to walk to and from. That could be a great business opportunity, and uh, we may be able to see some people have some more uh, people be able to extend their days more uh, to and from the game. But we'll see what happens there. We will see what happens coming very soon as the Browns enter what's hoping to be a more successful season than the one past. What do you got, Mitch? You said once again, what was the capacity for the Columbus Crew play, which was a potential? Lower.com field is 20,371. I don't know what the Chargers stadium was when they before they moved into SoFi, but everyone made like the joke that nobody's shown up to games, and I, I, don't, I don't even know. But at the same time then, Mitch, I would have to believe that the Haslam's want the most bang for their buck if they have to do sure. this. I don't know if I truly believe this to be true. Mm-hmm. And we'll yeah. wait and see. I could, be, I could be a meme here that could be made fun of, and I'm all <laughs> for that. But Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, with how it sits just right now with that adding seats, Mitch, right. seats 23,000 people. That's an additional 3,000 in ticket sales, and it's at the birthplace of football, which mm-hmm. we know, obviously, Paul Brown has a place there in terms of history. I just I, I have a hard time believing if they were going to, going to go to Columbus, they'd play where the crew play instead of Ohio Stadium. I don't know if they'd be able to sell out Ohio Stadium. Yeah, The only reason I could see Columbus is, to your point, trying to steal fans back that are in between Cleveland and Cincinnati 
Because Mitch, it's crazy during football season. Sometimes in Columbus, the market gets Browns games. Other times they get Bengals games. It's Mm -hmm. just a hit or miss time when it comes to the regional outlets of what CBS and Fox is carrying. But Tom Benson is 23,000. You have to assume InfoCision Stadium in Akron holds more than that. That is not brand new, but it's been redone here within the past, you know, 10, 15 years. I just hope that this is not true whatsoever and they do not get moved somewhere for a couple of years. Don't even get me started on West Virginia. And as far as Benson goes, I mean, it would be nice for us, for our sake. I'm serious uh, for our sake to have a professional football franchise in our backyards. The issue is I think Canton is more of a, it's less so an NFL team stadium as it is an NFL experience stadium to where, yes, you could maybe see people at in there and maybe have it be a sellout crowd, but it's still such a condensed stadium compared yeah. to other ones in the NFL. And I know you have all the stuff around there, like they're building all of the, the novelties around there, the sort of shops and restaurants and fun things for kids. So maybe that's a possibility. I, I don't know. I, I just can't see the Browns deciding to make that move in comparison to a bigger metropolitan city like Columbus, a growing metropolitan city at that. Um, yeah. And in, InfoCision, by the way, sit, uh, has 27,000 seats for spectators, 3,000 in the grassy knolls in the south end of the stadium. So you're talking right now, if you went to InfoCision, a potential 30,000 uh, seat stadium. So 10,000 more than Columbus or 3,000 more in Canton. Well, okay. But hopefully, well, folks, we don't have anywhere near this. Right. What What? Uh, what, what was the attendance for InfoCision again? 30,000, but it holds ah. 27,000 spectators in traditional seating with an additional 3,000 in the grassy knolls on the south end of the stadium. So for those that are unfamiliar with InfoCision, they're one side of the stadium. Behind the end zone is almost just a bunch of a grass hill that um, I don't know if it's ever been sold out for an Akron football game, but hypothetically we'll say when it was sold out, uh, a lot of students would be there in the grass, almost like a student section. Yeah. Um, So envision Ohio stadium for Buckeyes, the one end zone that's open, what's full of students just like that at Akron, only it's all grass and you'd be seated or standing on the grass. But I mean, Mitch, when you look at the three stadiums we're naming, taking Ohio stadium out of it, InfoCision would state would hold the most then Benson hall of fame stadium, which Mitch, when it was redone, the NFL did say it was there now for potential emergencies. If teams had to be moved because of things. So there. don't forget, would the NFL have a say in this? Possibly. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but hopefully if we wait and see, None of this comes to fruition. The Browns just stay in Cleveland while all this gets done. That's fair. I, I only ask because Dick Stadium and Kent State only seats 25,000. All right. So now we uh, we thank you for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Obviously, you can check us out on the website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com, or go on to Facebook or Instagram at Big Time Sports Ohio or on Twitter at BTS Ohio, at Mitch Spinell, at Mitchell Bala, everywhere else. Mitch, what's the fact of the day? There is no fact of the day, Mitch. It's Cavs Good Karma Tuesday. We are going to win game two tonight, and we're going to go to New York tied at one game apiece. So do you So do you think by breaking your fact of the day protocol, that's going to instill bad karma on the team? I gave a fact of the day last week, and it didn't help the team, so I'm trying something different now. Fair. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. I miss you, LeBron. LeBron.